listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Sports Pharmacy Podcast. My name is Dr. H and I am your host. I am a wellness pharmacist, pharmacy owner, and certified sports nutritionist. Join me while we discuss a wide range of topics ranging from health and wellness, sports, and even some small business secrets. Feel free to join our Discord for more interactions with me and other fellow listeners. Now let's get into the show. Welcome, 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 sports pharmacy fans. I have another treat for you. Our first repeat guest, Dr. Jessica Mills. What's up? Give it up for Jessica. I'm cheering for myself. <laughs> I go. We we met up at the Diverse FireX Profit Summit, which which was great. Thank you, Lisa Foss. That was so much fun. And we were there was a lot of discussion around these the drugs we're going to be talking about today. These GLP one or glucagon peptide one agonists. So your semaglutide, your Wagovis. We're going to discuss all about that medication. Talk about some side effects that we're seeing from it. And Jessica, my magnesium conundrum expert, she's going to be discussing a lot of ways to help naturally boost GLP-1 in your body and some really cool studies that came out in the past. Does that sound good, Jessica? Sounds magical. Let's do it. I'm I'm so pumped that we're able to do this in the middle of August in the heat of the summer. I know we were talking a little bit about the weather and us here in Texas, we're suffering with these 105, 110 degree weathers, man. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it's it feels like it up here in Kentucky. I don't know who left the door open to all of just <laughs> maybe to y'all. I don't know when I flew back. Maybe I didn't close it all the way, but you no, brought it with it's, you. It's nine million percent humidity right now, and oh, it's just God, it's miserable. Yeah, I can feel my hair and my beard just puffing up just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I apologize for my voice. I'm just getting over COVID. Apparently, that's a COVID. thing now. Yeah, don't man. Do it's, that anymore. That's yeah, I don't know who. I don't know whose idea was to get sick in the middle of summer, but I can definitely not recommend that. <laughs> no, it's way too hot to have the fever. God. How is this new strain of COVID, by the way? I, so I haven't, on it. I haven't had a booster since August of 2021. Shame on me. No one judge me. I haven't had COVID this whole time. Three and a half years. This is my first time getting COVID. And mm-hmm. it sucked for 24 to 48 hours. My temperature got pretty high. for so I was just like laying in the bedroom up here next to my studio. Where I just, I feel like I was hallucinating. My temperature got so high. And then I started yeah. alternating the Tylenol, ibuprofen, and blah, blah, blah. Broke the fever finally. And after that, I was about 80% back. And I feel like I'm now, like, it's about a week out now, about 95% back. So, so did uh, you lose, like, taste and smell and that kind of stuff? I, yeah, I can't smell anything. That's the good, that's the horrible news. So you've heard about, like, how that happens and, like, why that happens, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So please so, tell people. Yeah. Please tell so people. So long term, like your limbic system is so involved with your hormone regulation and it's so involved with like emotional regulation, memory. They said in the very beginning of this thing that like after you have one round of COVID, like 10% of your brain is like atrophied or it's it's damaged in some sort of a way. Nice. And I love hearing that. <laughs> That's what I need. <laughs> and, and I feel like there was this, uh, there was a thing we saw it like happen. There was like a post COVID psychosis kind of thing to where yeah. some people would have a hard time with like emotional regulation and impulse control. And that's that limbic system. Cause that's your hypothalamus, your amygdala, your hippocampus, mm-hmm. like all those really, it's like lizard brain part, like the part that actually has been with you for the longest and, and does all that. So omegas are a good idea. And then as much as you can, because it's Sports Pharmacy Podcast, exercise to increase the amount of BDNF that you can possibly, I would always say intermittent fasting. And then again, just like we're talking about with GLP-1s, the best type of way to really help with that is going to be like the healthy fat. So avocado, plant-based sources 
as well as like high amounts, not high, but you know what I mean? A good amount of protein and really limiting like sugars and carbs. And if you haven't done a cognitive assessment for a baseline, might want to do that. Because uh, we're seeing I've already a lot had too many concussions. <laughs> like I've already had, it. <laughs> I had too we're many done. concussions. I don't know. Someone's <laughs> like, that. you know, um, you, you brought up way. a good transition. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, you're good. The, one of the things that we always heard when this whole thing first started and they were talking about how the smokers were all going to be like taken out by yeah. it because we were like, Oh no, it's a lung condition. It's going to be terrible. One of the ways that COVID hops in is through the nicotinic receptor. So using nicotine actually has brought back the sense of taste and smell in half my patients. And for, for the other half that didn't, for real, like microdosing nicotine, like the three milligram, six milligram. Oh, I was, I was going to fire up my hookah. Are you sure? There's that too. Like I'm good <laughs> with it. Like we used to make shisha back in the day. There we I'm, go. I'm, yeah, I'm, there we go. I'm on this. Do not condone smoking here at the Sports Pharmacy condone. Podcast. That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> but nicotine though, it's an interesting one. And then there is black seed oil. So black, black seed oil, seed oil. I, I take that every favorites. day. Yeah. yeah. And so getting some of the viral proteins bound and out of it can really help to make sure it doesn't cause that damage. But yeah, that's coming back. I'm sure that we'll get to wear masks and stuff on airplanes. Oh, God, again, God, so. I hope not, man. I've yeah, I feel like we just got rid of COVID, and it's just here in Texas, we completely forgot about COVID in 2021. I feel like so. Oh yeah, but, it's it's got like abusive ex coming back again. Yeah, it does, like, man. COVID really? thing. I, I just don't want it. I don't want any of it. None of it. Oh goodness, it's but, like PTSD, yeah. man. All right, I don't want to take up any more of your time, and You'll I really want to transition. To Let's. So glucagon-like peptide one is a peptide hormone that is derived in the post-transitional process of the glucagon peptide. That's a whole mouthful, and I read it off, awesome. a, off of Wikipedia. There you go. There you yes. Go. So, so please, like mechanism of action. We'll talk about the drugs. Let's talk about first how it works. We have been in this place, and especially in functional medicine, holistic medicine, that is about the gut. Like everyone knows that at this point. And so these are different peptides, and they look similar. They've got some amino acids, that kind of stuff the medications do. But GLP-1, there's also a GIP instead of a GLP. And there's one of those like something glutides. One of the medications that they're studying is able to play with both of them. So I think now we've got all these different peptides that we've discovered that are coming from the gut that really are involved with the pancreas. So we've always known the gut is where the immune system lives. We've known that the gut and the brain have a connection with the vagus nerve. Now I think the main thing to take away from this, if we were like on the mark for public health education, was to say, hey, look at the things that are impacting your pancreatic function, your insulin, your sugar, all of it, whenever it's coming from the gut, look at how these two organs, the gut and the pancreas are playing with each other. Because a lot of those medications, what they're gonna do is they're going to stimulate urine cretins. So basically one of your organs, like the pancreas, will make a peptide um, or a chemical hormone, whatever you wanna call it, that um, is stimulated after you eat something. And so 15 to 20 minutes later is whenever this, after you started eating, that's whenever these hormones get made or these peptides. And so at that point, what it does is it slows down your gastric emptying. So it means it makes you feel fuller for longer, which is a great idea. And then it also is going to help with decreasing the amount of hunger that you're experiencing for a few hours later. And it depends like which version we're using, if we're injecting once daily, once weekly, depending on how they made it, what amino acids they all put together to look like these things that our body naturally makes or is supposed to naturally make. Then at that point, how long it's going to last and how long it's going to keep you full and how long it's going to do that. But there's some issues with it whenever you start talking about, for me, I feel like our creator doesn't really miss. So whenever it comes to the peptides and, and the hormones that we're able to make ourselves, or should be able to make if we have been eating the way that we need to and feeling our body the way that we need to. Whenever you start to chemically alter that a little bit, because you can't patent to make a drug 
out of something that is identical to what you're already making. You can't patent that. And so they've got to change like an alanine to a proline or something. You've got to switch out some, some small part. But like, uh, sometimes that can cause side effects. And I think what's interesting is whenever you look at the side effects of these things and what's going on versus why we would be low in that in the first place. What they basically found is that a lot of diabetic patients, people that are dealing with metabolic syndrome, they're overweight, they don't have a lot of this GLP-1 production that's happening. And so GLP-1, when we make it ourselves, we're really able to stimulate more beta cells that create insulin in the pancreas. So we're able to do that. By the way, only 1% of the pancreas is job is to regulate your blood sugar. The other 99% is to digest food. Yep. But if you think about the 1% of cells that are trying to control all the sugar that we have in the glucose that we're intaking, then it makes sense why we would be suffering from this in the first place. Um, and what they've really found is that GLP-1, it's responsive to food. So if we're drinking all of our sugar, like starting our day off with an e-cig and some iced coffee, don't mind my iced coffee, by the way. As I'm I mean, you can, you can have an iced coffee, <laughs> just be cool about what you put in it, right? I mean, it's right just, like, I, I'm an iced coffee drinker my whole life. Like, try yeah. to, I've been trying to get to a part of my soul where I can just drink it black. Like, I've been trying to. We're I can't, man. There. I we're wish I was that there. strong. I wish. I, I see these. I get made fun of because I was like, I just, I put half and half and a packet of stevia in mine. I'm like, I'm good. Like, I, that's all I need. But pe like my mother and father drink it like straight black and they still make fun of me for the way I drink coffee. I think it depends on the coffee too. Um, yeah, Costa of course, Rica, yeah. If you've never had the Costa Rican coffee, that stuff is amazing. And it's, I, I don't know many. what they do to the coffee there, but it's magical. So anyway, with GLP-1 and coffee actually can stimulate your own natural GLP-1. So sure. it's actually a pretty good thing, especially, and stevia is the only one that I ever recommend people use for good. like alternatives to sugar. There's a really cool study about how stevia can actually kill Lyme bacteria, like Lyme disease. From, really? And I know you guys are real passionate. Yeah. Yeah. Like we do. Yeah, you guys talk about that all the so, time. Yeah. Stevia is a really good one. But so basically, why would people be low in GLP-1 in the first place? Like why is your body not capable of making it? One, if you've got gut permeability issues, which a lot of us do. There's a whole thing about pesticides and the stuff that they have been spraying on our foods for forever. And with Roundup specifically, it causes a thing called the Shikimata pathway. Have you heard of the Shikimata pathway before? I have not. No, I've not heard of that one. Basically, it kills the Shikimata pathway is responsible for a lot of metabolic functioning. So how our cells at the cellular level are able to function, how we're able to methylate, how we're able to turn the good stuff on, turn the bad stuff off and do what we're supposed to do. If you disable that Shikimata pathway, which is how it kills bugs, by the way. So mm -hmm. there's a reason why it does it. It's killing a lot of the bacteria and it's decreasing the diversity that our microbiome has. So mm -hmm. we're supposed to have 30,000 different strains of gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. We usually have 5,000, most Americans mm -hmm. do. And it's because we don't eat the prebiotics, the inulin, the fiber. We don't consume that daily. I think they said that two or 5% of people in America typically will get the amount of fiber that's recommended in a day that they yeah. need. So it. whenever you don't, and that's like the rigor, like it's keeping your pipes all like where they need to be doing. And so if you imagine stuff getting stuck on the sides of the gut, where you've also got gluten or dairy or things that you're sensitive to that you might not know about, because a lot of Americans don't know what foods they are sensitive to. And we also just don't know what stuff is in this highly processed food. Like we don't know how much gluten or dairy or what chemicals and stuff are in there. And then at that point, you've got decreased amount of the bacteria that's in the gut to make the good stuff. You've also got intestinal issues with like leaky gut to where it should be nice and closed, but then it spreads open okay. and yep. we don't have the fiber to go through and to clean that, to be able to allow for it to close. We're eating foods that are pro-inflammatory in the first place. Mm -hmm. And we're mm -hmm. also eating foods that we might be sensitive to that are causing more inflammation. So if you don't have, imagine if your skin wasn't like complete and whole, right. if you have a wound all over the place, you're not going to be able to make these peptides. You're not going to be able to do these things. And so what we found is that a diet that is really high in protein as well as like healthy fats. So avocado, 
um, plant-based sources, that's what's going to allow for your body to have the actual building blocks to be able to make these peptides in the first place. And so basically, as we know, stress, toxins, and a crappy diet is what is the root cause of everything, to be honest. Everything. Everything. Yeah. And so it's also what's going on with metabolic function issues and why we're not able to make these peptides ourselves. And a lot of it's eating habits. I think that's why with intermittent fasting, people really start to feel like, I remember when I first started doing it years ago, and I didn't sleep for the first day because I had so much energy. And I was like, yeah. why have I not been doing Where's this before? Been? But it was because I was eating and overeating like too frequently mm -hmm. for my body mm -hmm. and my body, like the hardest thing that our body has to do is to digest food. And yep. so whenever you're just constantly inflamed and you're constantly asking your body to do that, it's not going to be able to do anything else. And so you're going to feel the effects of it. And that was inflammation yep. and weight gain for me. And yeah, I think intermittent fasting and that also can increase these uh, peptides, but there's a lot that they haven't discovered yet. There's a ton of different peptides that they aren't talking about, like leptin. And you've got some people that are talking about leptin. But man, like no one's really talking about the different like actual chemicals that the fat cells themselves secrete, right. like resistin. Resistin's a really fun one. So I think it's there's going to be a whole entire area of this that explodes because they've seen so much demand and there have been some really great weight loss stories with these GLP-1s. And so it's, it's going to be a thing, but man, the side effects of whatever that tiny little change is. And then people overusing it, people going out to lose 10 or 15 pounds or fit into some old celebrity's dress. It's going to have it's, some issues. I, for one, and I'll, I'll share my story. I, for one, I started as a diabetic and discovered intermittent fasting and shed, I lost 45 pounds or something crazy like that. Just mm -hmm. by the intermittent fasting, eating the right things. And like you said, increasing my, my, my protein and my good fats, but specifically with these medications. And I was just interviewed on the local news talking about the Ozempic and Wagovi and Munjaro, specifically in this case. Semaglutide or trisepatide. So with Ozempic and Wagovi, Ozempic came out. Ozempic's been out for years. It's been out for a really right. long time. And I right. have had patients that have been on it for their diabetes specifically for quite some time. And mm -hmm. what we're seeing is that, like you said, like all these celebrities and people are starting to use it to lose weight or to get that extra 10 to 15 pounds down, which is great, but at what cost? And that's that was right. one thing that I wanted to make sure you and I discuss is that I have patients that are diabetics that are having a hard time finding Ozempic for themselves. And then mm -hmm. the second part is that people are dropping thousands of dollars on this stuff. Mm -hmm. I have patients come to me and say, I'll pay straight cash for it. I don't want to use my insurance. Just find me the medication and I'll pay for it, which is crazy. I guess if you want it. And the second part is a lot of the, the compounding ones that I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot that are not coming from a reputable source. And that's one of my biggest concerns is that we're going to see two things happen. And I, you and I talked about this at, at Diversify. Yeah. You're either getting the pure form that is just like Ozempic, the semaglutide, which Novo Nordisk is going to be real upset about people making mm -hmm. when, they, when they have it themselves. And the second part is that they're using the salt version, which has its own issues that come with it. And a lot of boards right. of pharmacies are starting to crack down on this sort of thing. And so mm -hmm. I, I want patients to know that, A, be careful. I have a patient that's selling Ozempic from her house. Seriously. Yeah. She's getting a yeah. compounded semaglutide and selling it to people from her house. And people so are, are actually, injecting this. <laughs> yeah. So I have an actual vial of it that came. So in Kentucky, the board of pharmacy was like, Hey, no, don't ever use the salt form. None of the things. The main thing with it though, I have a vial that one of my patients brought to me and it's coming in from a mail order pharmacy that's in Tennessee. It was like, I, I don't, I probably shouldn't say the name, but Let's not call anyway, 
Yeah, but they're saying this, and it just, it doesn't have anything on the vial. It just has a little, like, label from, like, the cattle label that you would put, like, in your storage room or something. And it just says, like, semaglutide on it. They're putting it, it was, like, two mLs, two milliliters of it in this solution. They're picking it up at the medical clinic. So at least it's not at someone's house. But she's been storing it in her refrigerator with the food and the leftovers and the groceries and whatever. And they she's not diabetic. She's just doing it for weight loss. Um, They gave her insulin syringes. And told her to pull up 0.1 mLs. So, like, you've got people that have never injected themselves. They don't know where to inject, how to inject. Should know that alcohol swabs were a thing and that she should clean the area before injecting. And there is no preservative in this stuff. So, she literally has been injecting it. There's 12 vial punctures into this. Now, so, if we have a flu shot vial of six doses that does have preservatives in it, even after we puncture that first vial in the pharmacy and we keep it in a fridge that's only for medication that has no food products, no anything else in it, you have to throw that thing away like before the end of the day. Yep. And so this person has left their medicine in their refrigerator for 12 weeks and has punctured it with no preservatives. And I'm like, one, I'm surprised that you don't have cellulitis. I have had patients yeah. that had an infection yeah. in the skin from not knowing to clean it. But two, like what's going to be in that vial? Because as soon as you puncture it, like any of those Everything's going particles, in. anything's going to go in. And there's no preservatives to make it stop. And she hasn't actually lost the weight. And she's like, what's in this stuff? And I'm like, I have no idea. You'd have to call the pharmacy and ask. But they say that there's B12 or B6 or some sort of vitamin B in there. But it's clear. And I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm, right? Yep. I'm really having a hard time figuring oh, out what it is. So there's there's a lot of medical clinics. And it's unfortunate because now we've got nurse practitioners here in my town that are putting on their website that this is Wagobi. And she's coming get your Wagovi shot plus a lipo C for twenty dollars. I'm like, baby, you're not giving Wagovi if it's a twenty dollar. Yeah, I don't know where you get so that from. We've got providers in healthcare that are actually like violating all the copyright laws. And I mean, if we did that, oh my gosh, we'd be shut down within a day. Oh yeah, we'd oh, we, we lost our license a long time ago. Yeah, and so I'm like, how is this legal? How is this happening? And so we've reported it to the Board of Pharmacy in Kentucky, and they just don't have the authority over the medical clinic. And so it's just going to keep happening until the board of nursing, board of medicine, board of somebody besides pharmacy pays attention to it. So no, I don't know what's in there. I know that it's not safe and I zero of 10 star recommend that one. Like absolutely yeah. not, would not do it. But as far as the actual drug itself, whenever you are getting it and paying $1,200 out of pocket for it, one, to help actual people that do need it. I have one patient that is diabetic, she has MS and she's been taking Ozempic for a couple of years now. And it's been helping with the diabetes weight loss. We've actually got like her MS like in remission, which is really cool because like she went in and they were like, maybe you don't have it after looking at imaging. So that was really fun. (laughs) That's pretty Um, nice. It was a great story. And then her A1C is like below pre-diabetic level now, but she was having a hard time with it. So Nova Nordisk, they are building a new facility in North Carolina and it's a Dutch company. So it's zero carbon footprint. Like it's all nice and economical and, and all the things. Good for the land, good for the earth. But they also have a patient assistance program. So she had found this out because she was uninsured, like she didn't have any insurance. So she actually found this one form from Novo Nordisk, sent it to our practice. Our providers filled it out and said, yes, is what we want. And then she's just been getting it mailed from Novo Nordisk to her at a heck of a discount. So I would say if if you actually have patients that can't get it, reach out to that company because they do have a PAP that's really good. Side effects though. Hepatitis, again, if it's going to simulate the pancreas to make more cells that can secrete Mm -hmm. insulin Mm -hmm. that's changing the actual 
pathology and, and like the physiology of what's going on in that organ. So like it doesn't, it's not too hard to grasp that it could possibly cause pancreatitis and inflammation since it's changing the makeup of your entire pancreas. So pancreatitis scares me a little bit. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. Okay, yeah. I'm the sorry. pancreatitis, it just, yeah. it just scares me. I, I'm not a huge anytime, fan of using a vital like, organ. Anytime you're, this medication is literally acting almost like stimul overstimulating your pancreas. There's gotta right. be something that happens from that. And well, you mentioned new cells being things. created. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's hitting the pancreas, but it's also hitting the brain, Yep. which is interesting. And it's obviously working in the gut and it's got effects there. So what we're seeing is we're seeing stomach paralysis. I've had women that came in that actually were on birth control pills that got pregnant after they started yep. using these because it slowed down one. your stomach emptying so much that like the birth control pill didn't break down. It didn't start working in time. That's an entire thing. I would take 10 pounds over a fourth child just any day of the week, to be honest. <laughs> like, I, I'll do something else for them, 10 pounds. But I, I know it's not, I'm not trying to make light of it. The people that need it actually are, oh, of course. are having a benefit. But these are the side effects. There's there's a whole story on CNN that came out that was like, I wish I'd never tried it because people are having like actual gastroparesis. And I don't know if y'all have ever looked at the gastroparesis diet, but it's terrible. It's absolute trash. Awful. I cannot Awful. imagine nope. like having to eat like that because it's going to cause more metabolic dysfunction. So the playing with and, and numbing the nerves in the stomach are not really a, a vibe for me. The newest one is actually thoughts of self-harm and suicidal ideation. Which you told there, me this beforehand. That's scary. Yeah. There's yeah. 150 cases that they are examining right now to see if, and it was with semaglutide specifically, to determine if it was a cause for that. But if you look at GLP-1, I think they're going to find that there's a correlation. I don't know how they're going to report it, what, if it's going to be a black box warning, something like that. But a lot of it, so GLP-1 and GIP, both of those two peptides in the gut, if they are overstimulated, they do cause anxiety. Like they are anxiety sure provoking. And so don't forget, this is also, it's got target tissues that are in your brain. And anything that's happening in the gut can also go to the brain because of the vagus nerve. And then one of the interesting ones, speaking about the gut, is that it can wipe out and it changes the diversity of your microbiome. Specifically with acromantia, which is an interesting one. That one's one that, because I have a bunch of MS patients, a lot of times acromantia, if it's overgrown, then it can lead to immune dysfunction. And that one's been tied to multiple sclerosis, things like that. If you don't have enough acromantia tied to obesity. So it's interesting how it's changing and playing with it. There was a study that they did with rats and they were feeding them like this chow fed stuff. And it's interesting. Whenever you do gut microbiome analysis, like we do, and we'll do a GI map, a stool sample, see what kind of good bacteria, bad bacteria, that kind of stuff. And where the science is now is that there isn't really good and bad bacteria. There's just mm -hmm. bacteria. Yep. And the way that they're interacting and talking and playing with each other, it's like a marriage if you want to. Like some years it's good. Sometimes it can be a little bit different. <laughs> like the people haven't changed, but like the things that have happened to them and the way that they're communicating have. And that's the way that we have to start thinking about the gut and all the things that are living there. This is like a planetary level of population of bacteria that's in, and supposed to be in everyone's gut. And so looking at how they're playing with each other is very important. Mm -hmm. And so we know that it can cause weight gain or insulin resistance. We know that it can cause metabolic symptoms. We obviously know about IBS and Crohn's and UC and all that kind of stuff. But it's interesting how much it really ties into more of the mental health aspect. So mm -hmm. is it going to be something that's being changed in the microbiome that's changing the way that we are releasing our neurotransmitters, so our dopamine, our serotonin, norepinephrine, oxytocin, all that good stuff. Is it going to be because of that and it's traveling up the vagus nerve? Or is it just because GLP-1, when it's isolated by itself and it's over and it's in an abundance, is it because that itself is anxiety provoking? So 
I think it's interesting that we're not seeing a lot more anxiety. We're seeing like suicidal ideation. So to me, I think that it's going to be, yeah, like it's going to be interesting what comes out from the research that they're doing with that. But that's the newest warning that they've put out for us to know about. And then the thing that really messes with me is cancer. I'm I'm not a huge fan of, of, and it's thyroid cancer. I had a patient that is two years younger than me. I'm 35. So she came in and had had to have her thyroid removed and had thyroid cancer, had a bunch of nodules, all the things, had never played with GLP-1s or anything. But the amount of thyroid cancer has been increasing like crazy. They actually said that it was due to going and having braces and the orthodontist, whenever they would, when she would go in like each two weeks to readjust the braces, they would do an x-ray and they never use a thyroid guard. Oh, goodness. And so they're thinking that it was all the radiation from that. It's not all just GLP-1s, it's not, but yeah. One of the reasons I remember talking to Nova Nordis when the reps came in and asking, what is, why is it causing thyroid nodules and thyroid cancer? And again, if you think about like the stimulation, you're putting a peptide in an overabundance, it's anxiety provoking anyway, it's ramping up what your pancreas is doing. No wonder as the main metabolic tone setter of the body being the thyroid, it's going to also cause that to come out too. The main thing was calcitonin though. It raises your calcitonin levels. And because of that amount, we're seeing more parathyroid involvement too. Yes, that's the so calcification like, of the thyroid, yeah. So is this going to yeah. lead to like bone spurs? Is this, we always test parathyroid and calcitonin levels in all of our patients because I feel like that's a responsible thing to do. And everyone usually overlooks that. But whenever you've got like fibromyalgia and you've got all these different things where there's calcifications happening, even with like athero and arteriosclerosis, where you've got calcium deposits, um, peripheral arterial disease, all of it, there's a lot of things that can happen when calcium balance starts being affected. And it's not like we have a really great source of magnesium and vitamin D that is already just part of our natural diets anyway to tell and help calcium where it needs to go. So I think with it, if you are looking at slowing down and possibly paralyzing your stomach, possibly causing your pancreas to fall out or at least be inflamed and not function the way it needs to, you've got the GI system. As soon as digestion goes down, like that's it, everything else does. It's just a matter of time of what's going to happen first and how far it can progress. We've got microbiome that's completely being disrupted. And then you've also got anxiety provoking thoughts as well as possible suicide ideation and your thyroid not functioning. Don't forget after you stop taking it, two thirds of the weight that you lost is gained back within the, like the next year. Big one there. I, I, I think so it's more me, than two thirds, honestly. I think it's even more. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And that's, I'm trying to be responsible and cite whatever they've, they've come out with and said. And so like for the people that are diabetic, what I do like about it is that it is teaching you how to eat. That's cool because, I mean, it makes you literally nauseous if you're eating like highly gross, bad for you fats, highly processed foods, high sugar content, that kind of stuff. But you know, there's another drug that does that doesn't cause your gut to be paralyzed and does naturally increase your GLP-1 and also teaches you how to eat and causes a whole lot of weight loss. Now we're going into what we call transition mode is what Jessica's trying to push us towards. Natural ways of boosting GLP-1 is really a hot topic that I want more of my patients and my listeners to know more about. So you mentioned one to me, I'm gonna let you introduce it and you can discuss it and then we'll talk a little bit about a different one. So please tell us all about it. Yeah, not going straight natural just yet, but going to, okay, I have got metabolic issues and I've not been eating the way that I know is optimal and, and the best for me because life is hard out here and food's expensive and everything's crazy. But what can I do if I don't want to risk all the cancers and all the different stuff that's going on? My favorite thing, and I didn't realize this, we had been doing it for patients, but I didn't know that it raised GLP-1 naturally, is a carbose. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You remember acarbos, that old school medicine that's been yeah. around for forever and ever, amen? Also, it's super cheap. We're talking pennies and for cost of it, but it's also going to teach you how to eat. And so mm-hmm. I decided that I was going to take an acarbos. It was prescribed to me. It's okay. I wasn't like popping it off the shelf or anything. Just <laughs> for clarification. With anybody um, listening from the boards, we do not take meds off our shelves. That is very true. We do not. Yeah. We actually do contact <laughs> our PCP and, and all the good stuff. So I decided one day, because I was doing all these traveling, like all the summertime trips are now over with. I'm pretty sure at this point, I think I'm staying now. So um, in between some conferences, when I had a couple of weeks, I was like, I'm going to start taking this and just see what happens. And so I took an acarbos and went and I got my little Starbucks coffee. And I didn't know that thing had like 65 grams of carbs and like the worst possible fats for you ever. <laughs> So anyway, do you know what happens 30 minutes after you take an acarbos and you uh, decide to drink? You will spend the rest of your day having the worst intestinal cramps that you've ever had. And oh, you no. will literally take up residence in your restroom. That is, that oh, is exactly no. what will happen. And, and so, so that, like, that oh, happens, what? you said that happens after you, you took acarbos and then what happened afterwards? And then I drank 65 grams of carbs Good. with my Starbucks coffee. Yeah, that'll yeah, do it. That'll do that'll it. Do it. it will. Yeah. But it taught me a lesson. It did. Yep. And that's one of the reasons that I was like, you know what? I think black coffee might be the actual answer at this point. <laughs> Let me drink some green tea because that naturally boosts GLP-1 too. But it, it does, it teaches you like how to eat. What it does is it's basically slowing down amylase. So amylase is the enzyme that breaks down sugars, carbohydrates, that kind of stuff. And we have it, it starts in your spit. That's why they say that you like, until your food is pretty much liquidy and then be able to swallow. But it's slowing down the action that amylase has. So it's slowing down. It's not allowing for the really high amounts of insulin to come out all of a sudden. So it's slowing everything down. It also works very similar to the GLP-1s because it does again stimulate that. And so what it does is um, they found that after you take a carbose, it causes appetite suppression for about four to five hours afterwards. Hmm. And so usually you're taking this medication, like one pill and you start at like 25 milligrams, you can go up to 50, whatever, but you're just doing it before any sort of a actual meal. So it doesn't have to be snacks, that kind of stuff. Turns out it will teach you to not consume 65 grams of carbs liquid in a coffee. That's, that is what I've learned from this whole entire experiment. But it it does, and it causes the cramps if you're not eating the way that you need to. So if you're out here eating like high protein and good for you fats that are plant-based sources, things like that, there are no symptoms. There's no side effects. There's no anything. Also, we've never seen a carbose cause thyroid cancer or anything crazy. So I think one of the big things is if we could look at, if we're doing this to try and teach people how to eat, and we're also doing it for weight loss. I mean, I got patients that have lost like 40 and 50 pounds on this stuff. And I mean, they're paying $9 a month for their medication. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, and it's teaching them how to eat. It's decreasing the appetite. It's doing everything that it's supposed to do. And they're super happy about it. And we're also not causing gastroparesis. So it, it's not slowing down your actual stomach emptying. It's slowing down one of the enzymes that is breaking down sugar. So it doesn't break it down too rapidly and cause insulin to come out too fast. So oh. that's what I would recommend. If you were looking at weight loss, how can I eat? How can I get my sugar down and something that can help anybody? Like I'm not pre-diabetic. I'm not diabetic. But I just wanted to see what is my glucose looking like. And I think CGMs, like the continuous glucose monitors, that for people, I love those. Like I I would write that for anyone who's not diabetic anyway and recommend that just because you can actually start to see what does that Starbucks coffee, how does that Mm -hmm. impact my glucose? And for my husband, he had found that anytime he wore CGM for two weeks, the Freestyle Libre, he wore that for two weeks. And at that point, he was noticing that he was having like these thoughts of like, he was having a hard time focusing and like just these thoughts, like, man, I'm really not like doing good today. I'm not being productive. Just like negative thoughts about yourself. I would call him intrusive. He's had anxiety, but he was noticing like his mood would change. So whenever he wore the CGM, he noticed that anytime that his glucose got below like a 98, 
that's whenever the thoughts and things would really start and the hard time focusing. And so we need to get you some fiber. Let's get that like main actual glucose level down. But again, there's something to say about balancing it and to not have it be rushed. And so if you're rushing 10% of your body weight loss in six months, it might be a little too quick. I'm just, I'm throwing it out there. Whereas for him, like he wanted to do intermittent fasting and he was trying it, but his glucose was running like 120, 130 consistently. And so as soon as it got down to 98, he starts feeling absolutely terrible. You can't have your glucose get to 70 or 80 within a week or two and be feeling okay and have the same kind of thoughts and focus and be able to function. I think slowing it down and that's where really increasing fiber, intermittent fasting, doing the exercising, because exercise also increases your GLP-1 as well as your BDNF. So you can preserve your brain and have everything good happen. No, and I think it makes sense to be able to start to look at the other lifestyle things. And if we really need something to pharmacologically come in and intervene to teach us what we need to do and to experience side effects like appetite suppression or nausea and bloating and that kind of stuff. If we eat something that's not serving us, there's other options besides just these injectables. So that's my humble opinion as far as the natural stuff. Yeah, let's go. Before, um, before we go to that, I want to make sure to include one yeah. thing about acarbos that I want to recap some of the side effects that you mentioned. Increasing the amount of sugars or carbohydrates that you take after taking our carbos causes violent diarrhea. And I use that word violent <laughs> because that's exactly what happens. And the second part is you got to be very careful with alcohol use when you aren't a carbos because that could also cause a low blood sugar and cause you some GI distress as well. So I always tell patients, avoid alcohol, slow down your carbs, and you'll be just fine with the medication. Yeah, very true. Consult very your true. doctor and pharmacist whenever you're, you're going to start a new medication. Let's go into, there's TikTok fads and then there's yeah. social media fads. One of the, my favorite TikTok fads is na- what they call nature's ozempic and that's berberine. I want to talk about berberine today, Jessica. Yeah. Can we not call it nature's ozempic? That's, kind that's of like what they got. what TikTok calls it. I know. But like, I'm pretty sure he's being sued or something for it. Like berberine yeah, is literally taking a hit because of the word ozempic <laughs> that's in there. So I try to avoid that in general. But yeah, no. So berberine. Berberine is, is amazing. Like we've been out here doing it. My dad actually, it's so funny. He passed away March the 9th of 2020 before COVID ever happened. So like he had great timing. He knew when to hold him, knew when to fold him. He was like, I'm out. Thank you. <laughs> but he did though. Like it's true. And so anyway, he was on, there's a guy named Julian Whitaker and he's like old school. This is before the internet was a thing. He was like out here sending like pamphlets in the mailbox to people. Nice. And then they were like, read those like men, uh, 80, 70, 80 year olds yeah. that are coming yep. to the pharmacy with the handouts that are like, Oh, look at this promotional thing. They yep. tell me that this is good. So that was that. But dad actually decided to take berberine and it was probably like 2010, 2011. It was 2011 because I was in pharmacy school. He lost like 80 pounds. My dad was diabetic. He had heart attacks because of Vioxx after a hip surgery, all the things. But he'd been diabetic for a long time. I got a long family history of that stuff. And But with berberine, he took it for six or seven months, lost 70 pounds, did amazing. He was literally on the cover of this like magazine. He was so proud oh, wow. of himself. It was adorable. That's awesome. It's probably on my Facebook somewhere buried. That's awesome. I'll check it out. Uh, but luckily for me, like I, I had that exposure. And so dad was a pharmacist. He graduated like in 1961 from Howard College, which is now Sanford in Birmingham. <laughs> and anyway, but I had that exposure to it. And so I was like, what is berberine? So I start going through like pharmacy school and they talk about it and they're like, well, it might help with this. It might help with that, but there's drug interactions. And so just don't do any herbals. Thank you. That's what our pharmacy that's what, school That's, that's how it is like for us. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, we don't really know there's sip enzymes involved. Just avoid it. Thank you. So then as a naturopath, we're going through and we start learning about berberine. I was like, man, this stuff is awesome. So I'd heard about berberine um, for weight loss before because my dad, um, I'd heard about it for diabetics, 
What I really learned about it though, is what it does in the gut. So yes, mm -hmm. it does increase your GLP-1, like natural ozempic, but I hate saying nature's ozempic because it doesn't cause thyroid cancer, damn it. Like, it doesn't, it's, you're it's right. It's, it's separate, it's different, it's different. <laughs> it's different. But what really the cool thing is why we started using it before GLP-1s and everything became like the Kim Kardashian TikTok kind of vibe mm -hmm. was it clears up candida. Mm -hmm. And so if you look up candida and also echinacea does the exact same thing. So usually we'll put mm -hmm. people on an echinacea and berberine kind of combination because it's going to boost the immune function. It's getting rid of candida. So candida, we all have it. It's supposed to be in a nice little yeast form. However, it can turn into a fungal form whenever it's overgrown. What makes it overgrown? Eating too much junk sugars, the end. That's pretty much it. And so in Chinese medicine, it's called a condition of dampness. And so whenever, if you think about it, if you're growing fungus, growing mold, you need damp type conditions. And so conditions of dampness is being overweight, not having the metabolic metabolism and cellular metabolism that you need. It's like, you don't have enough of that fire, um, in Chinese medicine to do that. And so with it, there's also like cancer, inflammation, chronic illness, pain, arthritis, all of those are conditions of dampness in Chinese medicine. And so what's interesting is whenever you look at candida and the way that you dry up candida is you have to have bitters. And so there's in Chinese medicine, it's like, you can either have too much heat, too much wind, too much dampness, too much cold. That's why we call it cold. And that's usually why we'll start to drink like hot liquids and hot foods and things like that. It stimulates your thymus, which is the largest gland of the immune system. It's right like above your chest plate, that kind of area. So it's that kind of a thing. So whenever we started having and bring it all back to the whole COVID thing too, whenever we were looking at what was going on, that was also a condition of dampness. And so like whenever you start having the lungs and, and the coffin and that whole thing. So I was like, if bitterness dries up dampness, let's use like andrographis. Turns out andrographis and astragalus, because those are known as the king of bitters in Chinese medicine, they don't really have very many drug interactions. If you're on blood thinners, don't mess with it. it always ask your people, your pharmacists, doctors, all them beforehand. And if they don't, and if they don't know what it is, then have your pharmacist ask me. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> to be honest, but anyway, it was drying up stuff. And so we started seeing this like massive amount of weight loss in patients hmm. whenever we were doing like berberine or like doing any kind of bitter that helps to dry up that dampness. So when candida is overgrown, it's in the fungal form, it makes about 70 different toxins that cause a lot of inflammation. And a lot of times that's where like the brain fog can come from because again, that vagus nerve goes up and down. Mm -hmm. um, but the main thing is it causes histamine intolerance. Hmm. And so when you've got chronically high levels of histamine, that's when like you'll whelp up anytime you get bit by a mosquito or some kind of a bug bite, but migraines are in there, chronic nausea and stomach upset, things that people just can't really understand why it's happening. Those mystery things, typically it's about if you've got candida overgrowth and if you've got a white coating on your tongue, that's usually the way that you can look and see if someone's got candida overgrowth. The other thing is it causes intense sugar cravings and it can also cause intense alcohol cravings as well. So about 99% of the people that are like straight up actual alcoholics have been diagnosed all of it. They have a, an overgrowth of a specific strain of candida. It's called candida geotrichum. A lot of us have, and we know about candida albicans because that's what causes yeast infections and things like that. But basically you can have an overgrowth of candida tropicalis, geotrichum, albicans, there's candida imitans. There's multiple different strains of this stuff and each one acts a little bit differently. So if we think about it from a perspective of Okay, so we want to go in and get candida back into the yeast form, not into the fungal form. So we're never eliminating candida, like any of the candida detox things, like you're never, you're not supposed to. Again, it's that planetary level of things that are interacting and having relationships with each other, all the bacteria and pathogens and things in the gut. So you don't want to eliminate something, you just want to knock it back down to where it should be, get everything back in the balance. Yeah. And so whenever we think about berberine as doing that, then I'm wondering what the level of correlation is that they haven't said yet of 
if you've got candida overgrowth and because of that, your body's got really high levels of histamine, mm -hmm. what is that doing to your ability to make GLP-1? And so is that, because we're seeing berberine as something that's been able to help. It's, we know that it's kicking candida back into that yeast form, which is decreasing the level of histamine. It's making the lymphatic system able to move, which by the way, the secret to all weight loss is actually moving your lymphatic system. That's why people will gain weight in their upper arms and on the groin oh, and hips and lower abdomen. Yeah. yeah. Take care of your lymphatic system. That's how you lose weight, by the way. There you go. Um, Step one. So that can be like Epsom salt baths, jumping on a mini trampoline, five minutes on a rebounder or a mini trampoline is the equivalent of running a mile for your lymphatic system. Wow. Doing 10 minutes of dry brushing in the morning, five minutes dry brushing before you get in the shower. One, it's going to give you energy. Two, it gets rid of cellulite. But all you the cellulite, all dry, the skin issues. Dry, dry brushing. brushing? What is dry brushing? Yeah. If you Google, go on Amazon, whatever, look at um, a dry brush, just Google it. It's one of those like brushes that you'll see at like Bed Bath & Beyond and it's got the little bristles on it. You don't need the one that has all the little rubber places. They, it literally does nothing. So just get an actual brush. There's a fantastic like five minute video on YouTube from Gwyneth Paltrow's company of how to actually do it. But basically dry brushing is you are, before you get in the shower, before you do anything, that's why it's dry. So you're not doing it in the shower. You're doing it before you always brush on your skin towards your heart. Do it for about five minutes all throughout over the body, stomach, legs, all of it. And so what it does is five minutes of that makes your lymphatic system move. So our lymphatic yeah. system is so important because if it's, if it shuts down, it stops working within 24 hours, you die. Oh, so that's what the lymphatic system does. But if you think about it, where you're gaining weight is a lot of times where like the actual, like for women, we wear bras. And so a lot of our lymphatic system is underneath our underarms. And so if we're using like aluminum deodorant, any kind of toxins, like that's going to get trapped in the lymphatic system, it's not going to be able to drain and move the way that it needs to. And so there's also some viruses that can cause that like Epstein-Barr virus. It's going to cause, that's why it's linked to lymphoma yeah. because there's yeah. so many toxins that it's trying to get out. But if you think about what cellulite is, they're always like, oh, it's water. It's this, it's toxins that are leaking out of your lymphatic system because it's not moving. So if you can help mm. to stimulate your lymphatic system, it's also clear. like it, it should yeah. be able to not leak out and have the skin try to be the actual way that we're detoxing and getting rid of that because the skin is your largest, it's your largest detox organ. But yeah. if you think about it, it goes underneath every artery and vein and vessel that the cardiovascular system has. Well, we have a heart. That's the pump for that part. The lymphatic system has no pumps. So we have to manually do it. So that's the exercising, the sweating, infrared saunas, Epsom salt baths, dry brushing, mini trampoline, like rebounding. Any of those types of things are good. When you get into sexual wellness, you'll find out that there's also some other activities that can move the lymphatic system around, but we keep it at PG today. We, get, so. we can keep it PG today. We'll talk about that next time. Tune in yeah. for the late night episode of Sports Pharmacy Podcast. There you go. Of how it's always good for you. Always good for you. Of course. But with it, like there's so many different ways. So with berberine, if you're able to knock back the candida, you're able to get that to not be in an overgrowth situation. You're decreasing histamine. Your lymphatic system can move unless you've got high levels of histamine. And then that literally stagnates and changes how your lymphatic system can move. It's also a drink of water is important. So drink enough water. Then Did at you hear that, that point, dad? Yes. My dad is so water. bad about drinking water, man. No, he had, pros he had prostate surgery recently. And the, oh, his cool. only instruction from his doctor was just drink a lot of water. And he did the exact drink opposite. Water. Yeah, well, just, um, yeah, if you if if you can get some bee pollen in him and have him start using some cayenne, like cayenne oh, spice, yeah. cayenne pepper, he's have fine him do now. Some of that. Okay, there you go. Yeah, he's, just, he's just stubborn. I, I yeah, he's, he's, an, he's an Arab. He's an Arab Middle Eastern man. Of course, he's stubborn. <laughs> there, you there you go. I'll I don't know too much about how stubborn they are, but I would stand up against them Western Kentucky like old men because yeah. they, they know everything. Probably safe. Actually, of course they do. Yeah. So berberine has been awesome about being able to knock down the candida, and it actually has some root cause benefits. Whereas with just like stimulating GLP one in and of itself. 
that one's not really addressing like the candida overgrowth. It's not really addressing like what kind of got us here. And mm -hmm. so I usually will recommend um, doing berberine and echinacea to help with immune system. And maybe like the people that are on Ozempic and, and the GLP ones, maybe if we could do something to help to balance out the immune system, that way you don't have as much of an issue with it. But I think the thing that's really bothering me the most is that there's not a set of labs that people are doing. We're not really following up on, we know that it's going to raise calcitonin and, or yep. it could, and we know that's what's going to cause like thyroid cancer. So why are we not checking PTH and calcitonin? And why are we not doing that like every six months, at least once a year or something? Mm -hmm. Why are we not checking hormone panels? And why are we not looking to find out why these people became diabetic or are having a hard time losing weight in the first place? Biggest what is thing is that where's the foundation? Where's the foundation broken? And how can we fix that first before we compound? Before we just jump to it. it. And if it can help you for six months to be able to get to where you want to be, fantastic. But like at the same time during those six months, we really need to be focusing on yep. how we got here and fixing any of the underlying stuff. And Maybe we should put them all some, we should put them all on some magnesium just for fun. Um, Everyone so needs magnesium. <laughs> Everyone needs it. Just because it's so important with glucose. And if you don't have pancreatitis, we learned in pharmacy school that if your triglycerides get over 400 or 450, that's when pancreatitis happens and you're, you, you have a pancreas that falls out painfully with surgery. Oh, with it, if you know that like glucose isn't able to get inside the cells because you've got metabolic dysfunction or just because you're low in magnesium and anytime that happens, that glucose can't get in it's literally turned into a triglyceride causing fatty liver there was a really interesting study that they pulled up about alcoholic state hepatitis at like liver fatty liver they did it fatty, for yeah. nafld and, and all that good stuff but basically with fatty liver and what was naturally going on with glp1 people with fatty liver had no glp1 like we've learned that so if we could start doing some stuff like i don't know taking some magnesium to make sure that we don't have triglycerides that are through the roof and also maybe we could start doing some like dandelion tea taking care of the liver and the foundational pieces of our body that are responsible for doing everything then in that point if we don't develop the fatty liver then maybe we would have our own glp1 and then we wouldn't have to take a medication for 1200 that is possibly going to cause your immune system to not look at your thyroid properly i it's an idea one of my favorite things that you mentioned, and it makes sense now when you talk about the vagus nerve, is that connection between the gut and the brain. It makes sense why, like some people, they find comfort in eating because, like, oh, when yeah. your stomach is full, you feel good. That's just, well, and that's the, the crap foods they all have dopamine in them. Like we're literally yeah. out here just chasing. And I learned that about myself. People that have, I thought that I had ADD for a little bit because I was, I'm able to remember so many things, and I can hyper focus really well. And that's really similar to for ADD. If they are interested in it, then they're going to really be able to remember it and they'll focus yeah. and they'll do it. I went to Almond Clinic online, not in person because I don't have that, that kind of time right now. But there's a thing called ADDtypetest.com. And so I went into this and I took it. And so I had one of my employees took it. She had five types because it breaks down the different types of AD and what's going on yeah. in the brain. And like, is it temporal lobe? Is it the limbic system? Is it the ring of fire? There's multiple different ones. He explains what all of them are and like what neurotransmitters are, are missing or out of balance in each different case. So I had my husband take it. He had three different ones. One of my employees had five different types of undiagnosed ADD. For me, I took it and it was like, huh, we don't think you have ADD. And I was like, well, then explain this. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what it is. So I started looking and I was like, well, what's the opposite of ADD? If it's truly like a spectrum, what is the opposite? And I was like, oh, I bet it's OCD. And I don't have compulsions, but I do love some control. And usually what's interesting is that our diabetics and our blood pressure people and anyone that's got high cholesterol, high blood pressure, the emotion that's associated with that is really loving control. And so your body's like, here's some numbers, have a great time. Now you get to control these too. So it's interesting like how it works and, and with stress and what stress does to it all. 
But what's interesting is I was starting to look at it and I was like, oh, if I've got high levels, and so I looked at obsession and I, I don't have OCD, obviously, but if I'm more that direction than inattentive, then what does that typically look like? And so people that really like to have control and that find rewards in being able to be high achievers and to get a lot of things done at the same time and have 14 things that are always going on, we do that to keep our dopamine levels up. We typically will have lower levels of serotonin and we'll typically have very high levels of norepinephrine. What's interesting is the other things that are, are correlated with that, but the foods and the different things. So I started looking at my life and I was like, coffee and caffeine in general, that releases dopamine. Nicotine also releases dopamine. Cannabis, yay plant medicine, that also is very dopaminergic. So it was like smoking cigarettes. So is alcohol. Alcohol is a mm -hmm. huge mm -hmm. one for dopamine. And obviously there's cocaine. I'm not out here doing cocaine, obviously. I, I value my heart and my life and my license more than that. Oh, but it's, not so it's very dopaminergic. And so they actually did um, a test on this and they were looking at the foods that release dopamine. And like the people that are paid the most money at these fast food places and these food industries are the ones that are finding ways to wrap up chemicals that are, are put in fat so it can get across your blood brain barrier. And it literally is changing the reward system that we have. For me, I did a genetic test because there's one of those for weight loss and we like to start people with that too. And it's the DRD2 receptor. And so for me, I had a mutation in the DRD2, which probably why I come from a long line of people that would use either cigarettes, alcohol, food, something to be able to raise their dopamine. Because whenever it hits in people with that genetic mutation, it's more dopamine than like you would get from cocaine or from anything else. And so imagine I'm, like cheese and hash browns being the thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a thing. I might and have this. this. And for us, it's okay. Everything in our life is to stimulate dopamine. Like whenever you're scrolling through social mm -hmm. medias, you don't know what's going to come next. TikTok. Yep. That's why it's so addictive. And so there's some really great books about it, the dopamine like brain and, and the dopamine detox, but getting ourselves back to baseline and finding that neutrality instead of just always searching out the heightened experiences and the heightened feelings. And so, yeah, whenever you're low in serotonin, because honestly, the glyphosate and the pesticides and stuff that they use has killed our biodiversity, the microbiome, the bacteria that's in your gut is what makes serotonin. That's where 80% of it comes from. So if you're taking like a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, cool, like we should probably focus on 5-HTP and tyrosine, the different amino acids and the things that you actually need, which is what you get from protein, by the way. That's why they yep. say that you should have protein in your diet to be able to make the serotonin in the first place, because what good is binding to a receptor if you're not even able to make it because your gut's in such disarray. So it's interesting how it all correlates in and ties together. But I think that we haven't really been addressing what's happening at the brain level of dopamine. We haven't been looking at what the, the connections with serotonin are. They've recently said that, hey, all of the research with Alzheimer's and cognitive health, that the person basically just committed fraud and made all of it up. It's not about the tall proteins and all the different things, the amyloid plaques and all of it. She wow. admitted to Photoshopping the actual photos for it. For real. So oh, for man. real, like that's why. That's my, big, that's my biggest fear, Jessica. Same. Losing my mind. It's my absolute yeah. same. Uh, and so mind. look at the sugar, by the way. Look at really? the um, amount of sugar that you are consuming. That's what white matter disease is. And yeah. so with white matter, if you're damaging that and Alzheimer's, I remember the lecture for that. They were like, this is going to be the most depressing lecture because we've been trying everything for 15 years. We've not found anything really, but it's because the research was that they've also recently said that serotonin is not the main thing that's causing depression that they, they did not. Right. And it's more, it's going to be more instead of the germ theory, which is where it's, oh, you have this, it's bad, kill it, get rid of it, mm -hmm. eliminate mm -hmm. this completely, um, which is like what infectious disease medicine is based on right now. It's more terrain theory. So it's more like if there's not good bacteria and bad bacteria, there's just bacteria. But how much are we supposed to have? How are they interacting with each other? 
what are like the foods that we're eating, the chemicals that we're consuming, whether we're conscious of it or not, and the air and water and soil and all of it. What is that doing to how these things are communicating? And then how is our gut connected to our brain and how is that communicating? So we're getting more into this like precision type medicine to where it's looking at the interconnectedness of all of it. And so I think if you just isolate one peptide, like a GLP-1, and then you make something that looks similar and causes your body to overexpress that, you can only fool mother nature for so long. And there's going to be consequences of that. And that's what we've seen in women's health. We've seen a ton of that. I remember that was actually a quote that my pharmacy school professor told us whenever we started doing the like women's hormones birth control lecture was that tricking your body into thinking that you have this level of hormone will cause side effects. And so that's where it gets. So if we could do it from a a natural, actual holistic, and it's not even natural, it's really more foundational. Like you can't out supplement a a bad lifestyle. I've tried so many times I've tried. I'm sure that's what everyone tries to do now. Right. And everyone's like, oh, well, this on TikTok is going to be the silver bullet. This thing's going to be great. But usually like we've got to actually get back down to the foundations. And to do that, we got to slow down and drink some water and actually sit down and like tap into our body at some point and say, what is it that I actually need that's going to serve me? And am I just doing this for dopamine? How much of my day is going and chasing out these heightened experiences and these feelings that I'm wanting to have? And how can I provide that to myself without it having to involve a food substance or something like that. And it's hard. It is. Really it's is. hard to do. Yeah. It's hard to reach neutrality. Nothing but... good comes easy, Jessica. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. And if it does and it comes too easy and too quick, then something's wrong. you either lose it or it doesn't become sustainable is what I've learned in business and love and relationships and food mm-hmm. and diet and everything. And so it's more about the mindset. And I think that's really where it starts. And so that's why I did an entire like way less stress course, developed it to where, hey, let's talk about the actual mindset components and then also put in like how to eat foods and, and how to drink water and what kind of supplements, if any, you're going to take. And like the lifestyle component is going to be the long medicine, but the supplements that you're taking can be a short-term help. And I think that's the, the thing that we're missing with this whole conversation of GLP-1s in general is I asked them, how long can people stay on Ozempic, the guys at Novo Nordisk? And he was like, oh, for their life, whole time. Of course, that's what they want. And I'm like, that's that's interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. Sound safe. <laughs> so, yeah, no, but I think that's the main thing is no matter what you choose to do, one, do it safely and don't maybe keep a vial with no preservatives in your refrigerator and stab into it 12 times and use some alcohol swabs. Just throwing it out there. Don't um, buy your medications from someone's house. Yes. That is true. Don't do that. No one's got the right to magnetize in your kitchen. That's not a thing. And so, no, it's that, but it's really, what are we going to do long-term to be able to make sure that I'm not part of that two-thirds of the people that gain my weight right back um, or even gain more than that? And for me, I had to get a little bit like cranky about it and be like, I'll, I'm not going to, I don't know. Everyone's always motivated me by telling me I couldn't do something. We're working on that. We're trying to reach neutrality with that one too. Like I don't actually have to get mad before I can do something that's good for me. That's funny. But, that's but weird. No, I, think, I thought I was the only one that, that, that had that, but that's funny. No, I think yeah. it's, it's probably that high level of dopamine and that low level of serotonin. Maybe. Let yeah, me get cranky. Yeah. But yeah, like foundational stuff is going to be the thing. And I think that's what we're missing in the entire conversation. And we're not really testing and monitoring to see if the side effects are going to happen to these people. And yeah. Jessica yeah. Mills, I think we've said it all. I think we've we uh, we've attacked it from every way you can possibly think of. I see you're almost done with your coffee. I have <laughs> my water is almost empty. I'm ready for my coffee now. Dr. Jessica Mills, Owensboro Family Pharmacy, Owensboro, Kentucky. I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. It's awesome. Thanks for doing this, and I'm super excited to listen to this plus all the other fantastic episodes that you've got going on. I always learn something. I appreciate that. Check us out on Instagram, socials, anywhere that you see us. Uh, my TikTok handle is now Dr. Mixalot. I just thought it was great. 
I love and, it. Uh, Jessica, where can we find you on socials? You can find me, Jessica, with one S. So it's J-E-S-I-C-A. I know, I imagine. Mills, M-I-L-L-S. So Facebook, TikTok. I think I'm just Jessica Mills on TikTok. I don't think I have a doctor yeah. or anything in there. I'm pretty chill. Yeah. But no, honestly, just the Facebook page is pretty much where to get me for any of the stuff. We're working on that. We're employing an entire team of social stuff, but we haven't yeah, got there totally I just mean, yet. I may need that too. It's taking up too much of my time, man, social media. I know, it is. It's right well, I appreciate here. you, ma'am. You have a good one, okay? Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, consider giving us a five-star review anywhere that you get to your episodes. Follow us at Sports Pharmacy Pod, as well as me, your host, at Dr. Mixalot. Join our Discord server for more interactions with me and fellow listeners. As always, stay well, stay hydrated, and I will catch you next time.